Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And this week I'm raising a glass or two with a guest who I first met over 25 years ago when he was part of Britain's biggest boy band and sitting pretty at the top of the charts. 25 years on, not much has changed. He's still part of one of Britain's biggest boy bands, still ruling the charts, and yet so much has happened in the meantime. His achievements are astounding. He is something of a renaissance man whose appetite for reinvention and new experience is as impressive as his songbook. Obsessed with music from an early age, he was already a seasoned performer on the working men's club circuit in the North by the time he joined Take That in 1990 and has gone on to sell over 50 million records, win countless Ivan Novellos, Brits, Q and Enemy Awards. In fact, He's even got an OBE. Soon, he'll reprise his role as a TV talent show judge on Walk the Line, as well as releasing his first Christmas album, The Dream of Christmas. And he's about to head out on tour, playing arenas up and down the country this month and next with the All Hits Live Tour. Away from work, he's a father of three with his wife Dawn, and they live in London. He's also just bought out his own range of organic wines with Morrison. So let's crack one open and say hello to Gary Barlow. Oh, welcome to the show. Just just stop for a second. That's one of the best I've ever had. Is it now? I think it is. Can we just cut that as a soundbite, please? Thank you. I think that's one of the, yeah, it's definitely one of the longest. You are a renaissance man. 
Uh-huh. Because actually, I couldn't fit everything you've done into an intro without it taking up too much of the episode. Mm-hmm. So that speaks volumes about your appetite for life. And the fact that you just, I mean, you exhaust me. We've been talking recently and you are, I mean, you send this man an email, it comes back in seconds. You're on it. You're, you're productive. It's no hobby, this, you know. <laughs> it's, um, do you know what? I do love it. You're absolutely right. I do, I do love it. And I have always loved it. And the, the, the excitement and the, um, the appetite for moving forward has never left me. Hasn't, uh, is it? No, I, in pretty much everything I do, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm I'm happy about that. I, I'd hate to be sat here now thinking, oh, Dialing next, it in. next six weeks I've got to go on tour, I've got to bring a record. I mean, imagine feeling mm. like that and having to do it all. Yeah. Um, as I really wake up every morning, can't wait to get into the day. So how did this happen? How did we end up with a bottle of Gary Barlow wine in front of us? Yeah, th- so this oh, is a very that. new, this is a new thing, this is. So I get approached all the time for really terrible partnerships, you know. Oh, we want to make a mic and put your name on the side. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, I want to make a kid's keyboard and put your name across the back. We don't need to do that. But when this came about, I was like, wine, that's interesting. Because, A, I do love wine. I like it. It's a, it's it's something that um, I know a little bit about. Not loads, but a little bit. But it also felt like a great partnership for music. Because yeah. if you think about my hand in hand. gigs, theatre shows, mm. concerts in the park, picnics, any of those things, it's just yeah. lovely. But um, it doesn't really tie with the really like, healthy, super healthy lifestyle that we associate you with. Well, it's a life's a balance, isn't it? I'm glad that you like a drink still. That's I do, good. I do. I've, uh, yeah, I've always, you know, within reason. I don't, uh, I don't, I've got lots of friends who've taken it too far, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I've always been okay with, with drink. And I enjoy it. I love, love having a night out. I love sharing drinks with people. It's a, it's a social thing for me. So how did it start and how, uh, what was the process? And, and, and why Spain, actually? Well, so, so um, Benchmark approached me. Mm. about doing doing a They're the company that make it. They're the company that make it. Um led by a great guy called Paul, Australian guy. Um and they said, "Right, we 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 think it'd be a great thing for you to have to have wine." So I was like, "Okay, well where do we start?" And they were like, well, "Let's start with the red and white. If we can get the red and white right, um that's the a good start to a brand." So so what you've got to decide early. This is the first thing as as you would imagine money yeah i wanted it to be affordable wine so all of a sudden that takes your options to a certain um type of grape uh, a certain way of producing wine but to me i added another strand to it i wanted it to be organic so i could see them all rolling their (laughs) eyes oh god here we go and sustainable so i want a cheap good tasting sustainable organic wine so it, initially they were looking about £12 mark, which is too expensive for a bottle of wine, I think. Um, so anyway, we went to work then and we started tasting things. And we'd, we'd done maybe six or seven tastings. Um, and they started to report back that they'd actually found some uh, organic um, vineyards that are sustainable that they think we could get in the price point. So we started tasting those only. And they never told me where they were from. And on about, I don't know, the 20th, because I'm now going, oh, my God, how many more of these? I picked the wine, and it was Spanish. 
I would never normally I was, order. Yeah, I wouldn't. And you, you very kindly sent some to me at home. Um, and it, I was really, really surprised by how lovely and light it is. Light. So, well, yeah, cheers. Yeah. Yeah, it is nice, it's right? It's really nice. And it's nice. not just the wine you've been doing. You've got a Christmas album. Yes. With the lovely Alad Jones on it. Yeah. Sheridan Smith. Al Alad. And yeah, yeah, so Christmas album started. I'll be honest, I've never really woken up dreaming of having a Christmas album. Just mm. It's just always something I've not bothered with. But last Christmas, I think, like everyone else, I felt a bit robbed. Oh, so robbed. So by Boxing Day, I what was What did starting... you do last Christmas? Well, we were just sort of at home. and Yeah. It's funny, though, because actually our Christmas wasn't any different than it would normally be, but we just knew mm. out there we weren't allowed to do anything. And yeah. it, just, it just brought a big downer on the whole thing. So Boxing Day, you know that weird time between Boxing Day and New Year? There you go. There you go. I started going back into to the studio, and I was, I, I, what I didn't realise was I was trying to prolong Christmas through music. Ah. And and one day just found this little song, "The Dream of Christmas," and I liked it, and I made a demo, and I took it into the label in the new year, and I was like, "Hey, I've got something I like here. What do you think of this?" And they were like, "That's a Christmas album for next year." Um. So yeah, I went when about. Picking songs, writing more songs, doing doing the thing. There. So there's it's old and new on there, right? Old and new. Yeah. So it's about seventy percent classics with my twist, and then thirty percent brand new songs. Four four brand new songs. And because you're going on the road, I mean, trees are starting going to go up. People are so ready for Christmas uh, that you can quite rightly touring in November start doing your Christmas songs, can't you? On the road, I can't remember the last time I toured at this time of year, but. The, the opportunity now to fill it with Christmas is, it's just too tempting. Yeah, I can't wait for my tree to go up. Yeah, so we're doing 25 minutes in the middle of the show. It's going to snow, big Christmas trees, a fireplace. We're doing the whole thing. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be nice. And um, that takes you all the way to Christmas and then back home with the family. Yeah. Doing Christmas yeah, I think as I'm it should be done. Finished at the 21st or something and then back, back retreat back home and then lock the doors. Get the wine out. Get the wine out, exactly. <laughs> now, I don't know if you're familiar with the format of the show. It's really simple. Yeah. I ask you three thought-provoking questions. We Just punctuate three. them with three glasses of wine. Oh, nice. Yeah? Th this wine or, or yeah. other wine? This wine. This wine. So we've got to drink three glasses of this. Well, I'm not forcing you. I'm not a bully, but, you know. Okay. Well, it's, you know, it's mid-afternoon. <laughs> no, Christmas starts here. I guess the questions get easier. After every glass. Well, you tell me at the end. Okay. So my first question to you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Um, you styled it out in, in arguably one of the most spectacular fashions I've ever, ever come across. When you inadvertently arrived at Buckingham Palace, completely ill-prepared for a meeting that you didn't know you were supposed to be pitching mm -hmm. at for the Queen's Jubilee yep. birthday celebrations. You walk into that room full of all of those people and it becomes apparent that you are supposed to stand up and show them how you're going to mark such a massive occasion and you weren't prepared. Yeah. I mean, it just, that's right up there with those dreams where you wake up on the train naked, you know, it's the, the worst kind of fear. So I want to know when else in life have you had to really style it out? Yeah, that was a, a big styling out moment. <laughs> you, you know what was the funny thing of, of it, though? As I, as, as I was spewing <laughs> this 
this on. Um, what did you think you were going there for? In the just, no, no, I knew know. it was to talk about the Diamond Jubilee. Um, but I mean, you know, this is a room. This is a table full of like dignitaries, the the, the culture secretary. I mean, they were like proper grown ups, <laughs> and they had like prospectuses with them, not pieces of paper. They had like printed out everything. And worse than that, the first the the, the private secretary of the Queen, a lady called Sam said, right, let's start this and let's kick off with you guys. I was sat next to her. So I was first. I was first up. And you had nothing. I had nothing. Well, I did at that point. But as I stood up and started to wander around the table, there was some good stuff coming. So you riffed it? Riffed it. Riffed it. Were you dressed appropriately as well? No, so I was dressed quite nicely. Yeah, you, you, you had all the right... I had the tackle on, but... Um, as it as as the words kept falling out, it was getting better and better. So what we ended up seeing to mark the Queen's ninetieth birthday, literally just fell out of your mouth in a moment of what panic. Do you know what? I'm probably doing myself down here a little bit because obviously when you're put on the spot to give an opinion of something, mm. pro possibly the thing that you come up with, it, it's not just rubbish. It's built on quite a few years of putting on concerts and. The experience of doing, I guess, is what yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I was pulling on. But they were quite good, some of the ideas, until the point where I passed the front window and I went, and the stage should be there, <laughs> and pointed at the uh, cenotaph. And that's where the gig ended up. Wow. Yeah. 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 And the, one of the best things ever is that the weekend before that concert, I was, um, I was meeting Dawn for dinner, and I got a cab, and the cab... Came past, pack, um, came past the back of Buckingham Palace and the guy said, sorry, Garth, I've got to go around the corner. Some twat's put a stage in the <laughs> middle of the mall. I was like ducking down in the back of the cab. <laughs> so no, it was me. fun. It was fun, that. There's the moments that you write about quite extensively in your autobiography about the, the Grammys party with Clive Davis where he made you perform your own song, but he'd remixed it and you hadn't learned the remix. Yeah, I didn't style that out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think you did. I definitely didn't style that one out. <laughs> well, you still uh, got up on stage and gave it a blooming good go. Yeah. In front of, like Bobby Brown and whoever else was oh, there, Whitney Houston. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the, I think when you, when you do what we do, I think that more often than you realise, you're bloody styling stuff out mm. or, or, all the time. Yeah. Because, because, you know, for me, um, w when I started off for the first, like, eight, nine years of what I did, all I was doing was, was playing music and singing. And then when you come to be in the business, you realise that that's about 5% of your whole year is actually doing the, the music. It's the easy bit. Yeah. It's all the, you know, going on an award show and someone shouts something out the audience and then you've got to answer it. And then, it, I mean, it's all styling out, isn't it? The whole, yeah. your whole life's kind of ready to style out because... But you quite like, I sense, not... Uh, being in situations where you don't know what's coming next, I, I don't see it freaking you out or panicking you. You you always go quite quiet and calm and a bit smirky. Right. Would that be a fair observation? Yeah. Well, the problem I've got is is that because of where I came from, I was in the working man's clubs. Mm. So I've seen every comedian. So I've got every comeback line <laughs> in my back pocket that you could ever need for anybody <laughs> saying anything. Um, so yeah, I do get the, th I like the thrill of, I like the thrill of a stage and, 
an audience and I love all that stuff. But to go back, the styling out thing is something you kind of get used to doing mm. because you have to. When things go wrong, that's quite Which often when lot. you come to life, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think that's when the show starts. Yeah. When, when you have to start turning things like that on. Turning um, it around. Yeah. What one of the big styling out moments, which um, I remember from the nineties, was the night um, we used to do. Um, I never used to get involved. It was possibly the reason they used to stick me in the middle. But we'd do this song where we'd we'd sort of split off, and 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 Rob would throw Jason backwards, and he'd land on his feet. <laughs> and this used to happen every night. But on the other side, Mark used to throw Howard back. And this one particular night, Howard put his foot on my, and he just slipped through it. <gasps> and Howard flipped over and he stood up and one of his fingers was pointing the other way. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So we're all at the front like, <laughs> it only takes a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so styling it out. That is, well, with respect to Howard. Yeah. Did he carry on with the broken well, finger? Well, he got taken backstage and they give him a towel to bite on while they put it back in. Oh. And, by, and then all of a sudden we were singing and the lift brought Howard up and he had a big finger. Yeah, it was his middle <laughs> finger. Like, he had this massive thing around that and he was just smiling <laughs> like that. I think they're giving him some gas and air. And he was back on. I feel Larry. Yeah. Gas yeah. and air, you see. This is why you stay away from the dance moves as if possible, yeah? It's dangerous for everyone <laughs> involved. Especially at our age. I don't think Mark's haven't ever forgiven himself for that. Does he carry it with him? Always. Terrible Still apologising for it. You know, Mark. He apologises for walking in a room. So, uh, She's terribly British, isn't it? Yeah. Now, my next question for you is based on something I read that you'd written in your autobiography, and I loved it. Oh. You write about how you... Just the one piece? That there were a few. Mm. There were, there were more, than, more than a few. It's a lovely read, by the way. Um, you are a really proud northerner, even though you live here in the south, and you've, you said that, I love this, you revel in your northerness. Oh, I love it. And you've said before that being northern is a constant pleasure which outwardly involves a lot of huffing and puffing. And that if you're a proper northerner, moaning is oh. like a really enjoyable pastime. Oh, I love moaning. It's so great. let's moan. It's great. What's getting you go? Get it off oh, your chest. Oh, I love moaning. Let's do it. I love moaning about things that are going well. <laughs> That's Isn't the worst kind of moaning. This is just, I know, it's brilliant. <laughs> I love moaning. What? And as a band, we're bloody great at moaning. We what do you love moan about? moaning. Everything. It actually works best moaning internationally, I find. <laughs> Um, to be in LA. You're bilingual with moaning. And go, oh, right, the only thing that's cheap here is fuel then, because everything's extortionate. I mean, it's just, it's a great place to moan, like being somewhere where you shouldn't ever moan. It's the best version of it. If I was to ask your wife and children, what do you moan about the most? What do you think would be on their sort of top five list? Uh, things of mine at home that I know I put it there. I'm never. I'm not going to see that now for months. Someone's <laughs> moved it. Who's moved it and why? They're losing clothes as well. You know, the things just disappear. You I lose love those trousers. Where have they gone? I won't. I know I'm not going to see them. They're going to end up in Dan's room, or <laughs> he's going to take them off to uni, or 
Oh, so he's like the same size as you, so everything's fair game. Yeah, more or less. He's a little bigger than me, he is. Um, but yeah, but of course, as they're leaving home and things, I leave things and they're still in the same place, it kind of makes me a bit sad I now. See. I loved them being moved. Tell me about your experience of raising teenage girls. Is that fun? Oh, that's different. That's completely different. <laughs> yeah. When I walk in through the door, it's like, oh, God, here he is. <laughs> yeah, I've had that for years. Have you? Yeah. But my saviour sees Daisy, she's 12, and she still thinks I'm great. Still cute. Sort of. That's going as well. It's a bit like is it? your son. It, 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 yeah. it, it sort of does does that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know. But now that Dan's moved moved to what, uni, he's he's gone to study, how was that, having your first one fly the, the nest? Yeah, it was weird, actually. It's, it helps that there's two others, though, still there. Yeah. Um, so it made it a little easier. And it makes it easier that he's only in Birmingham because he comes back all the time. Oh, that's nice and quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah he comes back all the time um, when he's hungry. He wants his <laughs> shopping doing. Um, so you've kind of lost your male ally in the house, really. It's just yeah, you and the girls now. Yeah, 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 I have. I have. But when he's back, it's great. It's great. And sometimes we'll, you know, have a... Have, have a week together and we, we try and do something where we go off by ourselves every year, me and Dan, we have do an you? adventure. Yeah. That's nice. What do yeah. you do? We'll go fishing or do you? we went, uh, I did a photography course in Iceland and he came with me on that. And so, yeah, we do fun stuff. See, that's what I'm talking about when I say you've got an appetite for new adventures and new experiences. I mean, you're a busy man and yet you're taking a photography course in Iceland. Oh, I love, I love that. that. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, when we went fishing, it was it was um, to, just to be clear, the word fishing. We we are a disgrace to that word. We we, <laughs> right. we we don't know anything about fishing, and we were we were fishing in British Columbia. You know, we were, we were looking at Alaska where we. Were, so, so these are like this wow. is like if you were a fisherman, this is like heaven. Yeah. I mean, it, they shouldn't have let us in, but we were there and we had a magnificent time. And do you know what you're doing? No, we had this kid from uh, Vancouver on the boat with us. He was literally pulling them out, putting them in your hand. You had your picture took and then throwing them back in. And it was great. It was great. That's really nice that you get to go off and do that. What else have you had by way of new experiences of late? Hasn't this all been a bit of a new experience? It really has, hasn't it? Mm. Well, yeah. you mean living through a pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not someone who's prone to down days really i try and work my way out of it but i've been some some down times definitely mm. everyone has yeah i don't know anyone that's escaped it what did you do in that were you able to well you've got a studio at home so you yeah. could still you I, I would imagine you were productive i prefer yeah yeah there's i, I didn't want to look back on it and go oh we should have done this this and this I did, I did everything i did everything as well as having well all the kids at home which was yeah. lovely homeschooling Again, Dawn. Dawn. She, yeah, she's good. And, she's she good really is, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. But you know not to interfere when she's at work parenting, right? You have to just support her decisions if you leave her to make them. Yeah, do you know what? We've we've always tried to be um, like adult, I guess, about what we're doing. You know, I'm I unfortunately my job takes up a lot of time. I think you're particularly committed. Yeah. More than most. And she gets that I'm not going to be there. Yeah. And I mean, just gets on with it. Yeah. Doesn't complain. Doesn't hit me over the head with it. And uh, yeah, it's a partnership, I guess. 
probably quite likes that you can just go off and do your thing and she so. can do hers. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if I just popped round once a week for 10 minutes, it'd suit everyone. Pop <laughs> and your daughter would just moan. Oh, God, not him. Oh, not him again. How long? Nine minutes now. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. My, my final question to you, I hope this really gives you food for thought. Yeah. I want you to create an emotional medicine cabinet of songs for me. Mm. Songs that can soothe, heal, um, repair, transform or enhance any given emotion. What songs would you put with what mood or emotion in your song medicine cabinet? Good God. Music moves so quickly that um, it's just good to be constantly re-inspired. And I, when I, when I have music students who come and work in my studio. And Do you? I always say to them, listen, That's lesson nice. one, listen. It's the first thing that no one thinks about that. Oh, I need to practice for 10 hours a day. I need to get the sound of this. Listen first, because take it all in. You know, we've got everything on that phone. We've got, ev we've got access to... to mm -hmm. 60 years of music, just get in there and enjoy it and, and take something from, you know, everything you listen to. So if I, if I was to think of inspiration for a second, I'd have to say the Beatles because they've never gone out of fashion. Mm. People still reference them now to this day. Young artists who weren't, weren't even thought of when the Beatles were around. Mm. It's a great way to go... Here's the bread and butter of what we do. So what's what? which songs do you go to for inspiration and, and what is it that, that they do that really kind of makes their heads on the back of your neck stand up? Well, the Beatles is always, when, when composers and songwriters talk about the Beatles, they would talk about the simplicity, mm. but with a touch of sophistication. And that's the bit. 
Um, so if you think of a song like Yesterday, which is possibly the greatest pop song ever written, um, yes, it's very mem memorable, almost like a nursery rhyme in mm. some parts, but with a touch of, a, of sophistication and a twist of darkness. Real melancholy to that song. It's, we it's, it's a funny one. It's a funny one. And, and, and so I'd have to listen to something like that. I, I mean, go as continue on to that thing and you listen to something like Imagine and which is possibly the second greatest mm. pop song ever written and the piano is so oh, prominent which so is very simple. much your instrument so simple I mean a you know a, a five-year-old could could play the way he play you know and by then he was probably a very prolific mm. pianist guitarist but just to do that simple seesaw it's just wonderful. But also, the lyrics. I mean, they are... Yeah. They've never gone out of, of, of fashion or well, date. The they've never dated. Possibly in fashion now, right? But as pertinent today as the day where they, yeah. were, they were written. And not many songs can do that. As a songwriter, do you do you envy that? Do you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you, look, you look with um, amazement, jealousy, <laughs> great envy. It's incredible. It's, it's just... It's exciting. That's what that is. Yeah. Um, and and you know, and we're talking about a time here where those records they'd have done that in one take. Yeah. You know, not three weeks of recording. That'd have been one moment in time right there, and we're still listening to it. You make a point of recording in the studio that the Beatles recorded a lot of their work in at Abbey Road, don't you? I just. I just think it's one of those, if you're a music fan, you put it on your bucket list and you go and see that building because they're still there. The, mm -hmm. the spirits are still in that building. The, the, um, the success and the, you know, the, the catalogue of the things that have been recorded, even things like Star Wars and, you know, there's so many iconic moments of music that live still in the walls of that building. Wait, is that where you do all your strings? I actually work in all sorts of different places, but I do always ask for Abbey Road first. You do? Yeah. You know, when they when they take your sheet music out, and we're talking about the best musicians in the world yeah, here. Yeah. People travel from all over the world to come to London for these players. They set up with the most amazing mics in the world. Some of them 60 years old. They've come from East Germany. I mean, amazing. This is it. This is it, everyone. This is the top right here. And they strike up. And oh my God, That's it's just it. unbelievable, unbelievable. Oh, when you wrote your very first song, which was as homework for the BBC song for Christmas, which is almost quite 360, considering yeah, is, you've got a, a Christmas record out. You said that at the end of that recording session, when they tapped their their stands, their music stands, their, that that felt like the greatest applause you've ever you'd ever heard at that point, because they were acknowledging your work, yeah. other musicians. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, uh, it, I, I think at that point, anyway, I, I hadn't really had any anything I'd composed on show anywhere. So, so to be in a studio where it was filled with musicians, I'd never done anything. And you were how old? But, but 15. 15. So I'd never done anything like that before. And then them all just tapping away. And it was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And you know what's funny is that show, we did it at Pebble Mill. Do you remember Pebble Mill? Yeah. And guess who was the guest on that show? A young 15-year-old Alad Jones. No! How singing funny. Walking in the Air. 
Philip Schofield was the host. 22 years old. He'd just come over from New Zealand. Wow. Yeah, it was a real time, that. for. But, yeah, and funny that here's, here I am with, with Alad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Blimey, because yeah. that, was, that was really seminal for you. That felt like a moment of, yeah. of well, a milestone moment for you, didn't it? Yeah, because I really, I thought I'd always, I thought that, you know, just playing piano in clubs and stuff was going to be enough, but it wasn't. Because when, once I'd been and experienced that, I, I, I'd seen a new place I wanted to be. We used to get the train down to London from the from Cheshire, where you lived, mm -hmm. just to come and look at the, the the record shops in Soho and the music shops and just geek out, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you do that with friends, or was that just you on your own? Just me, just me. I used to. Um, so it was two things I used to come down for. Um, it's four quid on the train. The carriages were packed. Everyone smoking cigars, cigarettes. I mean, it's just what a time. What a time to be alive. Um, and then they'd moan if you open the window. Oh, <laughs> I'm too cold. Exactly. Oh, great. I'll just die then. Um, but I used to come down. I often used to sit in reception at 20 Manchester Square EMI and wait for people to come past. And some days no one had come past. And I used to have a little envelope with songs in. Oh, and so, and now and again, someone has come out and go, oh, can, can I offer you? Oh, don't don't give it to me. I'm just an accountant here, you know. And now and again, an A&R person had come out and you'd give them a cassette and leave your phone number on it. And, and anyone ever call you back? No, I didn't ever get anything from that. Yeah. Wow. But it was good to sort of be in, be in London because once, once it sort of started to close, five o'clock-ish, I used to go off to Denmark Street then and go into the guitar and keyboard shops and yeah it's great day out in london that's lovely and you do it on your own on my own yeah yeah You'd bring a packed lunch um i did my mum used to do me a packed lunch for that yeah 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 and then i'd treat myself at the end of the day to a mcdonald's on tottenham court road Ooh. hello <laughs> here he is because i was working at that time so yeah. money wasn't an issue for me i was working Possibly every night of the week, maybe not a Monday or a Tuesday. Yeah. And you were really business-minded about it as well, weren't you? You were. This wasn't just something you did as for a bit of cash on the side. You were building a profile. You were building a block towards the next stage in your career. You knew that that you wanted more than that. I never had any money because whenever I'd earned money, I'd buy a piece of equipment. I was building a studio. Mm. That's what I was doing. So by the time, by the time I gave my demos to. Nigel Martin Smith, who's the manager of Take mm. That. I remember him it well. It was like twenty percent off a finished record. I'd learnt it all by that. Well the point. demo you gave Nigel so Nigel was a local manager who'd had one hit. He ran a modelling agency. Yep. Um the demo you gave him included a million love songs, yep. didn't it? It did. It did. I gave him six songs. There was a song called Waiting Around on there that I think we did on a Hitman and Her. Remember that? I do. It's on at about five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Pete Waterman. Pete Waterman. <laughs> Michaela Strachan. Michaela Strachan. And who yeah. else was it? God. Just that was it, wasn't it? Just, just leaping two. around in nightclubs. And I then, think so. Yeah. Yeah, and Jason was one of the dancers on it. That's right. He yeah. was, wasn't he? Yeah, he was like the main one. So when he joined the group, he was already getting fan mail. So he had a bit of a profile, more, a profile. more so than any of you. More so than us. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so on, on that... Because uh, Nigel had what went on to be your most important hit at that point. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the love affair with music was deep. 
I mean, deep. That's I don't know many 15-year-olds that were working as hard as you and then using their spare time to come to London. And I mean, I could imagine you just standing in the, the record shops of Soho, just inhaling the smell of vinyl. Yeah, it was... Um it was exciting time because obviously at that age, you've got it all ahead of you. Um, and also because I was gigging a lot as well. I, w I was getting the, I was, I was learning. I knew I was the experience was going to come in handy. The more, more experience I was getting, uh, the better my voice was starting to sound. The more mm. song it sounded better and better. Now and again, I'd slip a new um, one of my own songs into a set list, and some nights it wouldn't go down well. Some nights it would, and so I was learning about. But let's just just describe the rooms you're playing, right? You're competing with the bingo and pies. Yes. And pies, if if people don't live north of Birmingham, uh, may not know and understand the importance of pies. Yeah. Because when the pies arrive, everything stops. It does. And when the bingo comes on, everything stops. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a terrible uh, phrase that could happen, and it used to happen sort of mid love song. I'd be doing something <laughs> where I was just literally had the audience in the palm of my hand, and the concert chairman would walk up and he'd get grab the mic and go, "Pies have arrived," and <laughs> and literally every chair in this place just scraped. Yeah, oh. God, and everyone would just go and queue up and you'd <laughs> just be performing to nobody, you know. What a brilliant apprenticeship, though, because I, I don't know how aspiring young artists can clock up those miles on the road, so to speak, on stage um, before they try to land a deal because everything's, well, everything's different, obviously, but yeah. you can build a following online without leaving your home now, let alone yeah. getting the train down to London, sitting in the reception of EMI, you know. That's proper dedication. Yeah, do you know what? As well, I um, I, I still go by these sort of basics. You've got to get on a stage because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, whether you're online or whatever, you've still got to at some point take your music in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. So the more you learn how to be up there, and the more you become yourself, because obviously the first time you go up there, you you're trying to be anyone who you, who's in your head, yeah. any, anyone other than yourself. Uh -huh. Um, who you think you should be, which isn't right. So you learn to be yourself. Um, and the more of those hours you can get in, they're integral, just aren't they? It makes things easier. So the Beatles and Elton, um, the Beatles and John Lennon are your go to songs for inspiration. What about, what about a record that soothes, that heals? Well, I'd have to go to the greatest year that exists in our time, 1971. Oh, that was the year I was born. Well, <laughs> um, there was a record released um, that definitely got me a, a piano, and it was called Your Song by Elton John. Wow. It's a very soothing record, mm. very complex record, although you can listen to it and just feel soothed. Yeah. You, you don't really need to study it it just it's so beautifully recorded and beautifully sung and the lyrics are so poetic and they kind of make you not listen to them until you do listen to them mm -hmm. and then you just go wow this is this is the best you know bernie Taupin's lyrics are can you remember the first time you met elton i do yeah yeah, yeah it was at the ivor novello awards yeah i was in the room that day i remember you, you coming over going i've just met elton john yeah. He was so excited. You know what? Even I must have met him, I don't know, a hundred times over the years. I still can't get past it. It's Elton John. Never. Never. I still I still can't. Even though he's 
you know, look, I, know, I know him so well that he'll just come and talk about football usually. And um, I just can't get past it. It's Elton Bloody John. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. Yeah. yeah. He's amazing. When his uh, name, numbers or name comes up on your phone, how does that feel? Because um, I'm imagining he calls you. Well, you know what? I, it's funny. I'll... I'll um, he won't mind me saying this, but I did um, I did one of those crooner sessions with with him. Yeah. Um, and the crooner sessions were what you did online. Yeah, they were the online thing. So we're basically we're all in lockdown. We're all desperate for attention. <laughs> no, no one's given us any. Let's get online. We'll find it somewhere, kids. So uh, so I made a rule that if, if they're not in my address book, I'm not going to start ringing agents and record companies. If they're in my address book. I'll contact them. Some people I hadn't spoken to for five years or something, but throughout the, the 90 that we did, we did 90 in the end, I wanted to finish with Elton. So... Um, you did 90? did 90, yeah. Blimey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I called him up and I said, um, listen, I, I know you, you're probably having some home time with the, 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 kids. the kids and David, but... I've done this thing. He knew all about it. I was like, yeah, I'll do it, do it, I'll do it, you know. So um, he started this thing then where every morning, it was like 20 past half past nine. I'm guessing the kids had gone off to school or somewhere. FaceTime. <laughs> and I was like, wow, how are you doing? You know, he went, sorry, I've only just learned how to do this. So <laughs> I'm doing it to everyone. <laughs> It was every morning for about two. What do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? Oh, we'll have a thing and I'll ring you tomorrow. And after two weeks, we recorded our pieces and I said to him, I said, listen, I'm going to miss this. <laughs> Talking to you every morning. It's just the best start to anyone's day. Wow. And, um, and like I say, it's always stuff, nothing to do with music. You know, how are Liverpool doing? How's Watford doing? Who are you buying next? It's all the stupid stuff. But it was a very special couple of weeks, that was. He's also incredibly funny, isn't he? Oh, he is. Yeah. Most of it you couldn't repeat. But um, but he is. He is. He's funny. He's so, yeah, you're right. He is. He's like a comedian, actually. You know, he's been a big, big figure for me. And I think with him, you know, he's 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 just a great role model for everyone. I mean, he loves music. Good God. Oh, his passion for new music oh, is, is unending, isn't it? Incredible. Yeah. He knows things I've never heard of. And you're just like, wow, how did you even find this? Um, it's kind so, of like your Yoda, yeah. Oh, he is. He's everyone's Yoda, I think. Yeah. Him and Paul, they're, they're, they're everyone's McCartney. Yoda. McCartney, yeah. 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 Have you had a similar relationship with Paul McCartney over the years? I've met him a few times. I've interviewed him, actually. Yeah. A couple of times. How was that? It was good because he's just so nice, isn't he? You, you don't, normal. You don't it's, feel it's like, like an you're... uncle, isn't he? Like, like an uncle at a family party. You can just chat. It's it's quite it's quite a gift actually to put people at their ease like that. You know the bit I love about him, and it, it might sound bad this, but it shouldn't do, is that he loves being Paul McCartney, and I like that. <laughs> do you mean he no, no, Paul he McCartney? loves going. You know, Lady Madonna, bloody hell, everyone's impressed. All the cameramen are all looking. He loves being Paul McCartney. So so I, I've had him on, like, the Diamond Jubilee and stuff. When he does the sound check, he does 40 minutes. No. Because everyone's loving it. And he loves them loving it. Isn't that nice? And I think that's a... Because a lot of people, like, they're who they are, but then when they're not on the camera, they don't want to be bothered or... Mm. 
they don't want to be the one to go and say hello to a table at a restaurant. So I bet he walks around the whole restaurant saying hello to everyone. Mm. He, he's just he just loves being Paul McCartney, and it's brilliant. There's a lesson in that, isn't there? I think so. I think so. Because you've definitely had years where you've not loved being Gary Barlow. Oh, definitely, yeah. And, yeah. You, and I've clearly have learnt to love the skin you're in and the life you're in now. I'm not there, though, where he is. It, it, no one's going to be where a beetle is. No, I know. What about songs that can enhance any other emotion? So, you know, songs that will make you really feel something. Even the compulsion to dance, which I know doesn't happen for you very often. <laughs> oh, you say that. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. <laughs> um, the, you know, there's, there's one record that um, I've met the composer a few times. And... Um, you just can't deny it. It doesn't matter who you are. If it's if it's on, then you're doing something. It right. might be just tapping, or it could be, you know, you're walking across the kitchen to do something. <laughs> doing and the dance walk. Yeah, the yeah. dance walk, yeah. the dad dance walk. Um, it just makes me smile, and it, it makes me feel good. It makes me musically feel like this is, a, this is funky, and... And it's um, September by Earth, Wind and Fire. Oh, such a great record. See what I mean? It just yeah. did it to you. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. A, just but you couldn't not dance to that. party song. Yeah. But still a great record. It's not a stupid, it's not a stupid party song. It's a great song. Great record. David Foster wrote it. Did he? He did, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he'll tell you if you meet him. You've worked with him. I have many times. Yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Good guy. He'll tell you if you meet him. He will. He will. And <laughs> rightly so. Uh, yeah, I'd exactly. be bloody telling you if I'd, I'd have it on that. a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wrote September. They were a great band, Earth, Wind and Fire. Oh, my God. So funky. You know, Quincy Jones. I mean, this Quincy was a Jones. hell of a... This was a hell of a time. I mean, I knew his daughter for a little bit as well. Know a little bit about the family. Rashi and is it Rashida? Yes, yeah. yeah. So um, when we were touring with Lulu... Um, she was friends with the family and ah. lots of lots of people that you you knew siblings of Lou would know them, you know. She like introduced us to a whole wow. new level of people, you know. Um brought them to the gigs and um yeah, it's a it's a it it is another level that American thing. It's similar time period, maybe just slightly a little later. One of my favourite ever producer songwriters is Giorgio Moroder. So Electric Dreams. I mean, you know, I love I love melody. So mm -hmm. when you can bring melody like that, the the, the scales that that song goes through, it's it's beautiful. It's real handwriting, isn't it? He's oh. got a definite handwriting when it comes to everything that he does. Yeah, you know, it's him. On in a similar way to um, if you think of someone like Rod Temperton, you know, those Michael Jackson records that, you know. Um, rock with you and I mean, ah. there's, there's so many thriller and you know he's a guy in Yorkshire for God's sake is he really I mean he's sadly dead now but wow. you know um, if, wow. you, if you listen to any of those multi-tracks you, you there's a track where Rod sang the demo before Michael sang on it I mean I mean, he's had hundreds of hits if you, if you google Rod Temperton his catalogue's amazing wow. but Giorgio did it in another area um, of this sort of European pop, mm. um, disco, but also uh, that new wave romantic. It, it was um, it was lighter, but but still 
quite magical mm. and, and, uh, and unlike and, anything and else at the time. And yeah, 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 extremely modern. Um, and and you know he's he's still st still doing stuff. I think he's done stuff on the new Duran Duran album. Has he? So he's still. They've worked together before, though, haven't they? I think so. Yeah. 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 So he's still around doing stuff. He is. Have you ever done anything with I've him? I've done anything with him. Would you like to? Um, I think so. I mean, I'd have loved to have been there in the eighties when they were when they were doing all that. That must have been because for all these people we talk about, Quincy even they have their decade where they're just everything's platinum six times mm. but they just um i don't know what that is it it's like a it's like a, a a hit confidence that only comes through having records in the charts all the time that, well i think you're you you're given permission to keep going and keep yeah. experimenting because people are loving what you're doing you had that yeah you know what that is to yeah. drive that you know incredible wave of success you said at one point you used to write a song and, and hear the, uh, the the applause at the end yeah, of it. Yeah. Because yeah. that's all you'd ever known. Yeah. Until a, you didn't. It's a funny um, stamina that you just, yeah. I'm going to ride to hit, and you do. <laughs> and it's just like, what? In terms of the music that you're most proud of creating, are there songs that stand head and shoulders above the others for you in your own catalogue? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think you know when you've written something good and... Um, you know, some some of them mark really important pieces in in time for us. Um, it's hard not to think of back for good and and just think of us at our height. I mean, we were the a bit, probably in the world at that point. We were the biggest band in the world at that point. You were. Um, it was nuts, wasn't it? And it was cool. You know, we were kind of going on Letterman and singing, and it was just brilliant. The world was your oyster. Yeah, and then things like Patience, where without that song, I don't know if mm. I don't know what would have happened after that, really. And you know, we were back, but we were just doing concerts. But that song, like suddenly we're in the charts again, you know. It wasn't just a song in the charts though, was it? Because anything you did at that point would have got in the charts. It was about the quality and the the brilliance of that that pop record. It was it's a it's a brilliant pop record. I was proud of that. Yeah, it was a good it one. Be. It was a good one and and um and I remember at the time when we made that album, I hadn't actually sung into a microphone for about eight years at that point. It'd been a long time. That makes me so sad to think that you didn't sing because it's like breathing for you. Yeah, yeah. That's really it sad. It was weird. And it was a big missing piece of me. Mm. I could feel it. Could you? Yeah, I could but, feel it. Yeah, I mean, you had a studio at home. There was clearly no compulsion to sing. Quite the opposite. You just didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't want to. Didn't like the way my voice sounded. Um, I Did didn't it sound like, different. I didn't like the. Did probably didn't. No, <laughs> it just. I didn't like the relationship with singing because it reminded me of being in front of people, mm. which which at that point, I hoped I never would be again. Because um, I just, you know, all of this stuff. It's all in your head. All this yeah. stuff, um, and so because it's in there, you can't escape it. So um, it it was a very, very odd time, mm. very odd time. And so when we talk about tracks like Patience, you know, that, that's the whole me. That's me back as a whole. I remember being on stage one night around that period um, and because it was, you know, it was a bit of a scramble getting everyone back. It, it may have looked much 
better plan than it actually was. It looked like a masterstroke. Didn't it? But it wasn't. <laughs> was it it not? wasn't. Not really. No, no. It all. We all just sort of followed where it was going and tried to hold on and we seemed to somehow. But I remember being, it was somewhere crazy like the Etihad Stadium or something. And, um, you know, these gigs, the, the, the enormity, it's only what you're seeing because, you know, in, in my head, I've got these ear things in, which means... You've just got your 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 ear pods in, really. Yes, yeah, so for people listening, listening at home, you 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 don't hear the you don't hear the audience. I was going to say the room, but you're in a stadium. They try to feed it into your ears, but it's still just a noise, yeah. you know. And you you you're looking, and your senses are telling you I'm in this massive place. Um, but I remember being stood out the front and I was singing, and I just thought, oh, I love singing. I forgot how much I love singing. <laughs> it was that sometimes it's that simple. Yeah, you know, I just. Singing something you love to do. You do it when you're painting or in, you're in the shower or you, it's lovely to sing, to, to emote, to express. To, it's part of my, my voice, you know, mm. it's part of my conversation. And So if you weren't singing, did that mean that music was completely gone from your house, your home, your life? No, I was doing music at that time. Um, I had a, one of my best friends, Elliot, was dragging me through a few years by giving me work, really. You know, come and help us with this. I didn't. So really Elliot want to, was a songwriter that wrote "Everything Changes with You." Yeah, yeah. But so it also had big success with the Spice Girls. Yeah, he's he's had loads of hits over the years. Brian Adams and Celine Dion, Aretha mm. Frank. I mean, he's written for everybody. And what a lovely bloke as well. Oh, he's the best. He's the best. You just want to be with him. So unassuming. What a lovely guy. Yeah, the the best. And and also someone who recognised, without saying, by the way, this guy needs help here so hey you know without saying i'm gonna give you help come and help us uh, hey guys quick just write a bit on this i'm stuck with this bit i knew he wasn't he could write this all right well give it here i'll do this there you go off you go brilliant thanks for that next day give us a bit of this on the you know he dragged me through a few years just throwing me a bit of this and that and musical cpr nice. yeah <laughs> musical cpr yeah, yeah. um That's so that, that was lovely yeah that was nice Got me out the house a bit, but I didn't do much. I didn't do much in those years. But then when you did, that muscle memory must have been fantastic for you to be able to write patience. It was, that was all of us in a room with John Shanks, that was. Right. But, I mean, listen, I don't know, ever know where these songs come from, but, you know, all those things we talked about earlier, all those nights in those clubs, all those days in record labels, at some point, all of that stuff's going to bubble up inside and just go. And that they're the moments when, when it does, when you need it, when yeah. you need it, when you need to style something out, you know, when you, that's when you're pulling on all those times where you've done it before. Mm. You've had to do it before. and Pulling those levers again. Yeah, yeah. yeah all those things it. where I, I'm always the one that says, you know, music doesn't qualify you for anything. Well... You know, you sort of, you build up your own version of, of you know, whether I was sat doing that TV show the other night and I couldn't think of what to say. So you just say what you feel and what you feel is actually quite interesting because you've been around music for years and it's just that really. This is the new show that you're doing, Walk the Line. And you're right, it's not about being fed lines by show writers, which is very much the American model. It's just going... Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. Just responding in the moment. There's no right or wrong answer. Yeah, that's it. 
you know, and it, and with anything, especially with music, it's only your angle you see it from, you know, because that's why the record shop's full of music because everyone's got different tastes. If I could um, put one song in your medicine cabinet of songs, or one or two, cabinet business, it's good, isn't it? It's great. We should do this. This this is a great covers album in this, I think. Um, I want to know about the songs that you wish you'd written. Just the ones that you just go. How long have you got? Well, let's go. Oh my goodness! Oh, there's this pure pure envy. So many. Um, Pure envy. Let's have a think about this. I mean, you know, when you think of songs like Billie Jean, I mean, that's a that changes everything. Just the beat. The whole world's changed when that when that gets released. You forget, I mean, God, you've got to be our age to understand what that felt like when that came out, because it sounded like nothing else, didn't it? Well, it was like it, someone had flown it in from another planet. Yeah. It, 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 they changed the world, those songs. Yeah. Um, you know, think of things like Soul to Soul, Keep on Moving. That changed, ah. cha- all of a sudden, music has gone in another direction. That was the, su- that was the sound of 89, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's 89. Uh, it was the end of the 80s, mm. definitely. Didn't that sound, again, like nothing you'd ever heard before? It, 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 was, being, it was being beamed in from yeah. Mars. But also what that record did for me, Club Classics Volume 1, I mean, I've still got it. I've still got it on a CD somewhere. Yeah. I haven't even got a CD player. What that then made me do was look into other artists. It inspired me to then mm. start digging around in, 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 in the past rather than just listening to current music. Right. Um, and so I think that's always really important, those artists or those albums or records that are gateways to yeah. other, um, other places musically. Yeah. yeah. And also when they're written, the, those songs, people hear it, they're affected by it, um, and they give it another life then by doing yeah. their version yeah. of what they've been in. That's how music works, really. So which of these Soul to Soul songs did you say? Keep, Keep on moving. Keep on moving. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant tune. Isn't it? Brilliant tune. And the video, so simple. Fabulous. But made you want to be on that rooftop dancing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah keep yeah. going. Wonderwall Oasis. Really? Just a brilliant song. A brilliant song. Um, yeah. It's... They don't even... You don't even need to define what... Because people go pop, rock, that no, no, these, these these songs that you don't think Billie Jean, but it, it it doesn't have a genre. That doesn't no. No, it doesn't. I don't think Wonderwall does. I don't think there's so many songs that just don't have genres because they're just great songs. Great pop records. Great pop records. Yeah. yeah. And there's no shame in that. I don't know when pop became like a, a dirty word. It was something I was railed against it when I edited Smash Hits. I just wanted to celebrate pop because yeah. it's an abbreviation of popular. Yeah, which means yeah. you're doing something right because yeah. the masses like it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's yeah, quite absolutely. simple when you work it back. Okay, wonderful. Anything else? Things like Sleeping Satellite, Tasmin Archer. Really? What a song! Really, that's come from what nowhere. A song that is. Yeah. Wow. Quite like to hear you cover that. Yeah, I do it now and again in karaoke. Uh, <laughs> It's always a favourite of mine. Everyone sort of sits there going, do you remember this? I don't remember this. Do you remember it? Thank you so much for coming in Excellent. and chatting and sharing some wine. And good luck with the tour and good luck with the album. Thank you. It's so nice to see you. Thank, Thank you. you very and much. lovely to see you. And God bless good you. Good health. God you bless too. you. Have a nice Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you.
This episode of White Wine Question Time has been produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Gabriella Colasurdo and Richard Hatherall for Yahoo. Libby Knowles is in charge of editing. Andy Bell is taking care of the beats and the Yahoo Studios team have helped to bring it all together. We'll be back next Friday with more great guests. Until then, take care out there. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.